Okay, how about we start with singing my little song? In fact, by learning the last verse. So instead of doing it at the end of the message, let's do it now. I have a little change here I want to make in the third stanza. It says, I will not drink this fruit with you until not the day, until that day. All right? It makes, uh, from a time standpoint, more clear. Until that day I drink with you, when kingdom comes, when I am here, once more in love, we'll feast anew. Now, uh, don't take this as the final version. I may change it again. But you feel free to use it um, as, as you wish. I hope so. Okay. Okay, let, let me try to sing. You can follow along the last verse. I will not drink this fruit with you until that day I drink with you when kingdom comes and I am here once more in love will feast anew again I will not drink this fruit with you until the day I drink with you when kingdom comes and I am here once more in love will feast anew will feast anew will feast anew okay even as we're doing it how about help me improve this hymn right now I'm going to give you two options in the third line. It just occurred to me I can improve the third line, but I want to get votes from you. Which one is better? So the first one is what you see here. When kingdom comes and I am here. Okay, that's option one. Option two, when I appear, comma, and kingdoms here. You follow me? When I appear, and kingdom, apostrophe S, here, and kingdoms here, once more in love will feast anew. The last line is the same. All right, which one do you vote for? The first one is when kingdom comes and I am here, and the second one is when I appear and kingdoms here. Well. I think, uh, to, to be fair, let's sing both ones. Then, then you can feel it out, okay? So, uh, did you write that down, uh, uh, option two? Let's try option two and see how it sings. You know, singability is important. I will not drink this fruit with you until the day I drink with you when I appear, when I appear, and kingdoms here, kingdoms here, 
once more in love, will feast anew. Okay, which one do you choose? Those who like option one, which is this, raise your hands. Option one. Those who like option two, raise your hands. Uh, well, about the same. A uh, lot of people didn't raise your hands. You have to vote, okay? You, you have to fulfill your civic obligation. Okay. Uh, well, let's sing the first one again, which is here, and compare. I will not drink this fruit with you until that day I drink with you when kingdom comes and I am here once more in love will feast anew. Okay, let's vote again. Those who would choose option one. Okay, if you like option one, now you stand up and sing it. No one can opt out, okay? You have to sing one or the other. Don't be influenced by anyone sitting next to you. All right, this is your personal vote. Okay, please sing it to us. I will not other ones. The rest, basically. Okay, let's try that. I will not drink this fruit with you until that day I drink with you. When I more in love will feast anew. Well, sit down. I think it's about, uh, let me see, 55 to 45. Very close, very close. I think those who like the second option may like it for the reason I like it because the word appear and the word here rhymes. When I appear and kingdoms here, it's kind of a good rhyme there, right? Uh, rather than comes and here, all right? So I cast my vote. <laughs> I vote option two. <laughs> Sorry, so, but you insist on option one, feel free. Uh, there is no copyright yet on this song. All right. Okay, now, let's try to sing the whole song. With sweetness, with tenderness, 
as if right now we are remembering the Lord. This is the Lord's table right now. Let's practice to sing with feeling, to sing with sentiment, to sing with our whole being. You know, it says, love the Lord your God. That's not the end. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, even your strength. That means when it comes to loving the Lord, our whole being has to be involved, not just so-called our spirit, right? So let us learn to sing this way, in a different way to the Lord, and not, as a brother said here, in a canned way. Yeah, Jonah? In a canned way. Can, you know can, meaning robotic, uh, routine way. That's canned. Let's sing it in a living way, uh, in a very dear way to the Lord, as if the Lord is sitting right here with us. This is my body digging for you. This is my blood poured out for you. sing, the more you enter into the spirit of the song, and the more it will uh, operate, and the more you will, it will come into you, and you and the song will become one. And so it's not just you singing a song anymore. The song has become internalized to become your hymn, uh, your expression, your feeling. Uh, towards the Lord. I hope we can improve our singing in the church life, especially at the Lord's table, to this degree. I must say a not-so-good word uh, to us, and that is in this department or in this respect, our singing or hymning and praising in the church life has really... Uh, gone down over the years 
to the point today, I would say our praising is really not up to standard. Our, our, um, our singing is not up to standard. We, a lot of our um, Lord's Table time become what I call a sing-along. You just go from song to song. You don't even know what you sang. You just sing it one time and say a few amen, and uh, one or two saints would have the gumption to kind of just declare a couple of lines, and then we wait to move on to the next song uh, because silence is unbearable. Um, I may be too much, but I've seen too much of this in our current church life, let's face it. And that's because, number one, in our daily life, we have not prepared ourselves for that occasion. And so we come with nothing. The second thing is it exposed the lack of exercise presently in the meeting. Uh, There's just no spirit or very weak spirit. And a few, always depending on a few brothers or sisters to kind of pull us through. If they won't function, if they're sick, they're out of town, that meeting is doomed to deadness and emptiness. And so we need to sing to fill the time. You see what I'm saying? How pitiful this is. Uh, we, it's got to change. And if I'm a new one, I come to that meeting, I won't be attracted. I just say, well, I mean... Uh, Already, the way we meet is a little strange to, to other people. And then you add deadness and emptiness to it. It's really not a good place to stay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, if we're strange and, 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 and uh, um, uh, a little different, at least we're living, okay? Um, at least we are, we, are, we are rich. So I don't say this this weekend, brothers and sisters, just in a small talk. I'm very, very concerned at the low state of our meeting life today with the lack of uh, the spirit. So please, brothers and sisters, you must come out of yourself, stand against yourself, and use the spirit. In fact, use your heart, use your soul, use your mind, use your whole being when it comes to sing. Why sing to the Lord? When your heart is not in it, it's called lip service. And the Jehovah said that. He was disgusted with that, with the children of Israel. You draw near to me with your lips, but your heart is far away from me. God hates that. That is the top of what? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Dear saints, I know we don't intend to practice hypocrisy, but more or less we have slid into hypocrisy. When our mouth is here, we're just mouthing a few things, we're saying a few amens, our whole heart is really not here. God deserves our whole heart, our whole being, when we praise Him, when we sing. And when the entire congregation's heart is present, let me tell you, the whole atmosphere of that meeting will shift, will change instantaneously. We can make a difference, but it's up to us. And saints, this is not even just about a lively meeting. This is about God getting his food. 
through our worship. I'm very burdened. So tonight, actually, we're going to have a meeting all on the matter of singing. And this is a training tonight, all right? A training, which is what we need. However, I promise you this afternoon that I will say a word uh, concerning the revival related to the Lord's table, okay? So I'm going to say that first as a um, burden, and then we will come into the matter of using the hymns and singing at the Lord's table. <clears throat> the passage that we have to look to, um, and uh, uh, David, can, you, can I borrow your Bible again? is uh, in Second Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, uh, in the Old Testament, there in chapter 30 or 31. Let me take a look. Second Chronicles is, a, uh, is the chronicles concerning the kings uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, very... Um, um, it is after First and Second Kings, and then the Chronicles would follow after that. And in these chapters, uh, in uh, chapter twenties uh, and thirties, there um, it covered the various kings, good and bad, uh, of Judah, um, uh, as to the condition of the king and the condition of the nation as a result of the condition of the king. And one of the kings here that is covered in chapter 29 and chapter 30 is a good king, although there's still something lacking, something deficient concerning this king that you have to find out elsewhere uh, in the word. But here uh, we find out that this king is a good king, Hezekiah. So in those days, when the bad kings rose up to the throne, they, uh, they are bad in that they would um, uh, forsake Jehovah. They would allow the sanctuary or the house of God to be um, um, desecrated uh, by the people bringing in the impurities, meaning idols, into the temple. And therefore, um, not only making it common, but making it something entirely blasphemous huh? in the eyes of Jehovah, and making the entire place unholy. And not only so, in the whole city of Jerusalem, they will build altars to the foreign gods, idols, in the place of Jehovah, and the priests would all be disbanded, as were the Levites. There would be no serving priests and no one taking care of the temple, the house of God. Everything would be in shambles. Everything would be in ruins. There was a great mixture, and in those situations, Jehovah would not be with them and not bless them. When the good kings arose, they would, in the case of Hezekiah, they would firstly, um, he was only 25 years old when he ascended to the throne, 
And in the first year of his reign, he opened up the doors of the house of Jehovah and repaired them. You know, it is like the temple. Imagine in your mind's eye, just boarded up, just uh, uh, left in disrepair, um, in a very, very broken down and sorrowful state. This is the house of God. Nobody cares about it. He, and he brought in the priests, brought in the Levites, and put them together and say, listen, first thing now, you sanctify yourself, you priests and Levites, you're supposed to take care of this place, bring out the impurities, that means the idols, cleanse this place. Um, our fathers, the ones that is before us, they weren't faithful to God, they did what is evil in the sight of Jehovah. They forsook him. They turned their faces from Jehovah's dwelling. They turned their backs on God himself. They shut the doors of the portico. They extinguished the lamps. The lamps are supposed to be burning 24-7. And the incense is supposed to ascend 24-7. All those things were, what, snuffed out. And extinguished. That was the sorry state of the children of Israel. And that is a state of degradation. And so the wrath of Jehovah was upon them. And they become an object of horror. This is all here in Second Chronicles. And they were defeated. They were made captives. And so on and so forth. And he said, the king, it's on my heart now to make a covenant with Jehovah uh, of Israel so that his anger would turn away from us. So don't be negligent anymore. Jehovah have chosen you priest, you house of Aaron, uh, you tribe of Levi, to minister to him again and to be his ministers burning that incense. This is the Lord's recovery. You want to know what the recovery is about? This is what the Lord's recovery is about. The whole of God's house is in disrepair, is in degradation. And this cannot go on. This cannot go on. There must be someone who will rise up to recover that situation. So the Levites rose up and then... The priests rose up. Firstly, they sanctified themselves first. And then they went on and cleansed the house, the temple, the court of the house of Jehovah. And whatever dirty things, unclean things, really means idolatrous things and who knows what else. They found in the temple, they took it, they carried out to a brook and threw it all there. Junked them. Uh, and they told the king that they have cleansed this, and they brought back all the vessels, all the vessels for the burnt offering, and also the table of the Lord's face, of the face bread, and all the vessels, you know, all the utensils that you use to take care of all this furniture, uh, uh, in, in, in the sanctuary, in the, in, in the temple. And so this is what happened. 
So I, I don't want to go on anymore. And then they begin, uh, the king brought uh, the cattle, the, the, uh, the, um, the animals for sin offering, for the trespass offering, for burn offering. And now they're recovering their worship. They're beginning to recover their worship by means of offering the blood and offering these animals at, for expiation of all of Israel. And so, even the more they set the Levites, the king, following David, his forefather, with cymbals, with harps, with musical instruments, with lyres, so that they would begin to sing once more. That an uh, empty place, a place of silence, now will be filled with the sounds of praise to God. Once again, by the priests. And they did that. And then it says the whole congregation worshipped. And the singers sang. And the trumpeters trumpeted. All this until the burnt offering was finished. Look, I tell you, even in the Old Testament, singing is very important. Actually, David the king was the first to arrange divisions of priests to do nothing but just to sing. Now, I like to ask in the New Testament, who are the priests? Who is the singing division? Really? Of course. We all are the New Testament priests, and we all are the singers. And then if you don't sing, there's no worship. Even the offerings, in order to be offered, it is offered in the midst of noises, in the midst of sounds of praise, in the midst of singing that offerings are made. You know, at the Lord's table, we're offering Christ as all these offerings. But if there's no singing, there's not that atmosphere of offering. Don't, don't have the idea when they offer these things, it's all silence. No, it is filled with noises and cymbals and, and, and harps and praise until the offerings are over. And of course, later on, Hezekiah uh, did more things and, uh, to uh, uh, cause the leaders to command, uh, to command the Levites to praise Jehovah with the Psalms, the word of David and Asaph, the seer, you know, in Psalms. These are the, the Psalms, writers of the Psalm. And they praise with rejoicing and bow down and worship. I want to give you a picture, brothers and sisters, that a recovery has that scenery. Amen? Amen. A scenery of the house being recovered. The scenery of idols being cast out. The scenery of people being sanctified. A scenery of what? People bringing the sacrifices. A scenery of them singing and rejoicing and prostrating. That scenery in, in Jehovah's house. That is a sign of revival. But tonight, I'm not just talking about that general scene. I must come to the matter of the Lord's table. Where does the Lord's table fit into the scene? That actually you will find in chapter 30. 
What I just told you is chapter 29. This is a general scenery. In chapter 30, Hezekiah did something quite interesting. He did something to recover the Passover. Now, I told you last night that the Passover is the Old Testament Lord's Table. And the Lord's Table is the New Testament Passover. After that night, when the Lord broke bread and drank the cup with his disciples, the Passover was officially over, dispensationally. From then on, the New Testament began under another covenant. The covenant that established, that was established in the Lord's blood. And from then on, the real Passover is the Lord's table because the Passover lamb is crucified. He is the, our real Passover. You know, in 1 Corinthians, let us keep the feast, for Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. That is a talk concerning, actually, the Lord's table. There's a reference of the Lord's table there. All right, so here, Hezekiah, he first sent word to all of Israel. You know, he was the king of Judah, and by then, the nation has been torn into two, with uh, ten tribes becoming the nation of Israel, and two, uh, the nation of Judah. And Hezekiah is uh, of king of Judah, but he sent, nevertheless, this proclamation, this letter, to the other nation, their brethren, divided from them, and tell them to come to the house of Israel in Jerusalem to hold the Passover to Jehovah, the God of Israel. This tells us something, brothers and sisters. To have the real Passover recover, we must have the ground of oneness. We must have the oneness restored. We cannot have a recover Passover with our nation divided. With the Lord's people in division. There's no way to do this. God has ordained all the children of Israel, they have to come to one single worship center in which you have chosen to put his name there, and that would be Jerusalem. And so he's following God's commandment to tell them to come, but unfortunately... Some of these people from there heard the invitation and they sneer at these people and say, forget about you. But a few from a few tribes responded and came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So this is what happened. They got runners passed from city to city in the land of even Ephraim, Manasseh, Zebulun, and all these places in Israel, the northern kingdom. And then when they came together, they um, again removed all the evil things in Jerusalem um, and threw it into the brook, and they slaughtered the Passover sacrifice, as was what they sh should do according to Moses. Moses on the 14th day of the second month. 
This is their tradition. And um, they stood there, I mean the, the priests and the Levites there, according to the law of Moses, and the priests sprinkled the blood uh, uh, that they received from the hands of the Levites, from the animals, etc. And they sanctify themselves. You know what it says? They have to sanctify themselves. Uh, they have to make sure everyone who come, including these ones from the other country, they were unclean. So they need to sanctify themselves to what? To participate in this Passover. This also, my brothers and sisters, uh, is a type, an indication of the New Testament practice. It says in 1 Corinthians 11 that we have to examine ourselves before we touch the bread and before we drink the cup. Because the children of the, the Corinthians were in a state of still divisiveness because there was sin among them, even in some cases gross sin. And so they were in an unexamined state and they still come and boldly partake of the Lord's table. And it says as a result, some fell sick and some even died. Now you have to go to read that chapter and read the footnotes and you will understand what that means. It is a serious thing for us to touch this bread that symbolized the Lord's body and to drink this cup that symbolized his shed blood in an unclean way. Making these things common. And so that they would even, the Corinthians, some would even experience certain displeasure disciplinary uh, consequence in the way of physical sickness and in some cases even death. Saints, this is a holy table. Lo, the holy table. This is not for the unclean. So the unsaved person cannot touch this table. They have to be saved. They have to be a redeemed one before they can touch this table. And for all of us who are saved already, we should also consider our situation to be right with the Lord, to be right with the body of Christ before we should enjoy this table. This is the biblical teaching. So here they did that. And, said, and then it says, after this cleansing, and they all uh, uh, came together and enjoy the Passover. And the Passover is like this. They firstly, I think, have a whole week, am I right? Of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And then, finally, after that, they have one day of the celebration of the Passover. Okay, the unleavened bread. And when the children of Israel left Egypt, that's what they partook of. Not only the slain lamb, but also they ate the unleavened bread. Signifying a lifelong enjoyment of the Passover to live a what? 
an unleavened life, a clean life. That is a picture of our Christian life. <clears throat> and so they, it says, and um, the children of Israel who were found at Jerusalem held the feast of unleavened bread for seven days with great rejoicing. And the Levites and the priests praised Jehovah day by day. Every day for seven days they were singing and praising. That's kind of like our biannual training, right? Six days. Six days of what? Singing, praising, feasting. And it says, with loud instruments, play to Jehovah. Where does it say that they enjoy it so much after seven days they repeated it for another seven days? Huh? Oh, verse 23. So they were enjoying it. They were, they, they were having a party, right? They, they were having this holy party with Jehovah and with each other. And in 23, and the whole congregation took counsel to hold the feast another seven days. They broke the law. Moses say seven days. They say, this party is too wonderful. We don't want it to stop. Let's have another seven days. And they held the feast those seven days with rejoicing. 14 days, two weeks. That's a wonderful party. So when Brother Lee interpreted this in the life studies of Chronicles, he said, this condition here is a condition of revival. You know, when it's not revival time, even one hour, you have, you're watching the clock. You know, some of the saints, they, they come to the meetings to watch the clock. How long, O oh Lord? You know, when they say, how long, O oh Lord, they don't mean how long before you come back. <laughs> they mean, how long will this meeting be? It's so dead, it's so empty. I want to get home and feed my dog. <laughs> and watch the championship game. How long, O oh Lord? Here, these pe that is a totally... Definite, unrevived situation. In a revived situation, no one watched the clock. The clock stopped because we are in eternity. Haven't you been meetings? You feel like you're in eternity. You lost track of time. You don't care. You really don't care whether the dog dies or not. To let him die. This is too wonderful to be in the Lord's presence, praising Him. Am I right? I tell you, in the Chifu revival, there's a Chifu revival in the 1941-42 in Brotherly's hometown. That was a real outpouring of the Spirit. And listen to me, this is true. The saints in the church in Chifu met for 100 days without stop. I don't mean they sleep in the meeting hall. I mean 
They gathered for 100 days, every day, nonstop. Now you try today. I think by the third day, ah, you are saying, how long, O oh Lord? 100 days, three months plus. You cannot manufacture that. You cannot engineer that. That was a revival. Now, I was not there, but I can tell you about Eldon. I was there. I was at the peak of the revival in 69, 1969, in Eldon. I was there. Thank the Lord, I barely made it under the wire. And that revival actually lasts all the way until the early 70s. But the peak, according to Brother Lee, was 1969. I was there. Now, we did not, I will tell you, we did not meet 100 days nonstop. But I tell you, for years, we met virtually every day, not really, you know, but virtually, almost. In those days, listen, the prayer nights, the prayer meetings, has almost the same number as Lord's Day morning. Now, you cannot say this today. Today, the prayer meeting is a small fraction of the Lord's Day. No, not in those days. I testify to it. Uh, I share once upon a time with you out in Beltsville that I wrote that song, Do Come, Oh Do Come. You know that one? Is that right? Uh, do Come, Oh Do Come. Okay, that song. So, I wrote that. That year when I came into the recovery in L.A., I wrote that. Now, what's my point? My point was that song was written immediately after a prayer meeting. When we were pray reading Revelation chapter 22. There were hundreds of saints praying together, pray reading together that chapter, last chapter of the Bible. I mean, that, that, it was explosive. It was like this. It was like, uh, like unbelievable uh, praise and, 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 and thanksgiving and pray reading. And I mean, the inspiration was so much that I could not bear it anymore. Right after the meeting was over, I ran back to my apartment, pulled up my pen, pulled up the paper, with a tune that is already in me, I quickly wrote it down. That song was written within three hours. Now, what I want to tell you is this. Really speaking, really speaking, technically I wrote that hymn. But in reality, I didn't write that hymn. The body wrote that hymn. I just took all the inspirational prayers and pray reading, and I just put it into song. I put it into song. That's all I did. But my, I will tell you, since that time until today, it's almost 50 years. I have not been in another meeting like that again. But that meeting in those days was not unusual. That's my point. The meetings, we were just like these folks in, in Jerusalem. We were crazy, we were, we were back, we were, 
we're coming back to the house of God. We were happy. We're in the church life. We're in the ground of oneness. We were, I mean, in those days we have tambourines. I mean, real tambourines. We, we have guitars. We have everything. We were just praising, singing, calling, pray reading. All, all that you see painted in this picture, we were enjoying for months. I would even say for several years. It did not last because that was a time of revival. Dear saints, this is a picture of a revival of the children of Israel that starts from their turning back to God and followed by the repair of his house. And then added on by the recovery of a priesthood. And finally, augmented by the rich offerings. Do you, do you see what I'm talking about? And all this added together with their cleansing. And in those days, we sanctify ourselves. That's why today, you don't find too many pictures at all from the Elden days. Because no one take pictures. You know, I work on a project of the history of that era, trying to find pictures from the saints. I couldn't find but a few. Needless to say, those were before, uh, uh, you know, video camera. There's, there's nothing. You, you could not find anything, much of anything. But dear brothers and sisters, I tasted that. And in a sense, I long for that. But within me, within me, I also believe we're not here to go back to Eldon. Like the good old days. Dear saints, I am looking forward to something greater. Greater than Chifu. Greater than Shanghai. Greater than Eldon. We must go on. You agree with me? Amen. That the glory of the latter house should be greater than the former. I look forward to that. I wish I can see that before I pass on. Whether I will or not is not up to me, but I'm telling you my earnest desire to see in the Lord's recovery experience a genuine, perhaps, final revival. I can only exhort you to pray for that revival. But it's not just praying. We must ready ourselves. That revival didn't happen in 1962. It happened in 1969, six or seven years after the church life and recovery began in the United States in L.A. It's not overnight. And I feel in these last 20 years since our brother Lee passed away, there has been a slow building up, a slow restoration and recovery. To be restored is not to go, to, to, to go into some extraordinary condition. 
To be restored is merely to come back from a substandard situation to a standard situation. That is the principle of overcoming. It's not to be super Christians. It is to be standard Christians because everything else have drifted so low. The Lord's recovery is in the principle of overcoming. We're not here to be super anything. Superheroes. No. We're here just to be the standard believers according to God's heart's desire. And for that reason, my brothers and sisters, we all can be overcomers. Don't say, I'm out. I don't have the genes, the overcomers' genes. No, you have those genes. Those genes are called Jesus. If you have Jesus' genes, you have the overcomer. The point is not that. The point is how we cooperate. The point is how we prepare ourselves. The point is how we exercise ourselves to cooperate with those genes. That's what we're doing here in the church life today. If you're not doing that, even just to be in the church life, doesn't mean that much. It's, it's a good place to be, I admit. You know, people like one another and so on. But if you're just here to, to be liked, then, then you're missing the point. The Lord's recovery is not just a happy place. The Lord's recovery is a place where God will be satisfied. God will gain the standard believers. God would have his overcomers, just a small number, not a huge number. The principle is the principle of a remnant. The vast majority of God's children, like the children of Israel, will be defeated will be in captivity. But when a small number would return, would come back to what God wants, I tell you, the Lord came for the first time. So here we are, saints. I hope by this little picture, you would be burdened for the recovery of the Lord's table among us. Shall we do that? To recover the real Passover? I think it needs a recovery. I really think so. I think our Lord's table is not what it should be. What if one Lord's Day morning, the spirit would move, the saints are exercised, because we live such a life, we have such feeling, it turned out the Lord's table took over the low the whole two hours on Lord's Day. What are you going to say about that? Huh? You're going to say, no, 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 no. It's supposed to be 40 minutes. So let's stop the Lord's table here and let's now prophesy. I would say, you just killed the Lord's table. (laughs) I tell you, the elders right now are shaking in the boots. Oh, you are stirring up rebellion here. You are giving the saints the right to be free to disrupt order in the church. No, I'm not for disrupting no order. But I am yearning that the Spirit would be free in our midst again. 
not in a human manufacturing way. Please don't do that, okay? That's ugly. Just to man, no one can manufacture a revival. It's fake. So don't even try to do that. But as the Spirit is having such ground in our midst, as we are giving Him the cooperation, as we have so much to bring to Him from our daily lives, we're filled in the Spirit, we're full of the experiences of Christ, we bring the songs, we bring the hymns, we're filled in Spirit, we speak to one another, am I right? The word of Christ indwell us richly. Causing us to sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. We live that way. And when we come together, there would be a what? Exceptional display of our life. I tell you, not only two hours, even four hours is not too long. In revival times, the unusual happens. Because the spirit takes over. Check all the classic revivals in church history. But that doesn't mean disorder. That doesn't mean confusion. You follow me? If you are really following the Spirit, you won't cause confusion. But there will be such joy, such overwhelming happiness, Bliss in the Lord's presence with God's people. The praise will be spirit-led. The prayers will be utterances full of the spirit. During that revival in Chifu, it was said that our brotherly and another brother lay hands on all the saints, every saint, some family by family. And when they lay hands on them, they pray for them, for that person or that family. It was said that every prayer was different. There was no repetition of any prayer. And a lot of those prayers were according to the word of God. And in fact, a lot of those prayers eventually were fulfilled. Now, I'm not a Pentecostal. Don't worry about it. I'm not here for lengthening legs and speaking in tongues. I'm not against the real tongue speaking. But today, talk about fake. Sorry to say, a lot of fake tongues. But my point, dear saints, is not that kind of you know, you have to have healing, you have to have this and that, then you got the spirit. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, no, not that way. However, the presence of the spirit is felt, is real. But I say, dear saints, don't come to the meeting to make it up. It comes from a living. It comes from a life. We need to live a life with the Lord. One with Christ. A life that is 
spoken of in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. Filled in the Spirit and inhabited by His Word. A life of thanksgiving, a life of praise, a life of prayer, even unceasing prayer. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Am I right? In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God concerning you. Dear saints, we need to live that life. I'm really not just talking about Lord's table 40 minutes here. I'm talking about a Lord's table life that we need to start living. Then, I will tell you, perhaps starting with the Lord's table, a recover will break forth, will be among us. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the Lord. I'm not the Spirit. But oh, how I yearn and long for God's people that there would be such a revival, such a restoration. You know, all of God's people aspire to a revival. Labor Day a few years ago, my first Labor Day conference in the Mid-Atlantic was on renewal, revival, and restoration. Do you remember that? And I not forgotten that. That's how we started. And Mid-Atlantic churches, you need to go on. You, you need to, you must go on. I'm not saying you're not, but we must go on Quicker, further, higher. And I hope this weekend's word on the Lord's table would be a help. Amen? Amen. Dear saints, tomorrow, even starting tomorrow, don't come to the table, the Lord's table, the same way. Like you've always done. Try coming here in a different way. All right? In a cleanse way. It says God's training to his people is to make them a holy, clean, and rejoicing people. And that requires training. And the book of Leviticus is to train them how to be such people, how to experience these offerings. It's about time we just cannot just stuff our mind with the knowledge of these things, of these truths, it's the time we practice and experience these things. Amen? Amen. Now tonight, we're going to talk about singing. I think you all would like this. About using the hymns at the Lord's table. But let me say again, if you don't sing in your shower figuratively speaking, because that's what I like to do, you will not sing at the table. If you don't sing in your daily life, you won't sing here. So start singing. Start hymning, hymning as a verb. 
we need a change. We're, we're too dumb. You know, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, we, we, what is it? No, 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 no. Chapter 12, it says what? It says, no man can say Lord Jesus, but in the Holy Spirit. And there it talks about the dumb idols. Yeah? You know, you know there? Uh, come on, someone. Huh? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Yeah, could you, someone read it? Okay, the verse before, you know that when you were Gentiles, you were always led away to dumb idols. Whenever and however you were led. It doesn't matter what idol you worship, I don't care. They're all dumb. That's the common, it's consistent. Every idol is dumb. You beat it up, it doesn't talk back to you, okay? Because they're dead. Our living God... Those who speak in the spirit of God, they are not dumb. They say, Jesus is Lord in the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, our worship to God, both in the Old and the New Testament, has to do with our mouth. Don't think our mouth is not important. You say, I am silently remembering the Lord. Well, that's good. But that's not good enough. The Bible's example is sing. We praise. We pray. Right? We exalt. We bless. We speak well. We must stir up our spirit and open our mouth. To praise the Lord again. You know the Lord actually is a little tired of your prayers. You know prayer is always me. Me, 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 me. It's a little kid. It's always me. All little kids know, babies know, is to pray. It takes an adult to praise. If you're always just asking for goods from the Lord, nothing wrong, but it indicates your babyishness, childishness. It's time we all grow up to be those who not only ask of the Lord, but those who speak well of Him. Right? I mentioned that last night, right? Your dad, every time you go see him, hey, old man, give me another thousand bucks. <laughs> well, he had a million dollars, so a thousand bucks is small change, no problem. But every time you see him, hey, another thousand. Every time you see him is another thousand. If you're the old man, how would you feel? <laughs> you give, but with unhappiness. 
because he's your son, so you, you promise him, so you've got to give him, otherwise he will starve to death. <laughs> One day, that same son came, much to your surprise. He didn't ask for nothing. In fact, in fact, he brought something as a gift to the father. Now, you're the father. How would you feel? I would be dancing. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. What did he drink? I mean, what, what happened to him? <laughs> I thought it's another thousand dollars. He's bringing something to me. Amen. Oh, I better call my whole household together and tell them about this son. Something crazy is happening. He is not asking me for no, no nothing. He is coming to give me something. Oh, what happened? A miracle. Dear brothers and sisters, how about with our father? Come, bring him something. Don't ask. He will be much more happier. Next time you ask for 1,000, he will give you 10,000. <laughs> because you, you made him happy. Now that's a pretty good bargain, huh? That's a secret to the father's heart, huh? Don't you think our father is the same? Don't you think he is in... Do you think he's inhuman? He's more human than you and I. I'm still not in the outlines yet. <laughs> and the time is already two-thirds gone. All right. We still have to do this. Uh, anyone looking at the clock? <laughs> How long, O oh Lord? <laughs> Number one, could you please read? I want to impress you tonight, dear saints, hymning is a super big, huge part of the church life. It has been somewhat pushed down to that level. I want to restore it. Just hymning, singing with hymns, according to Hebrews 2, I will sing hymns of praises in the midst of the church, according to that, dear brothers and sisters, we need to use the hymns, to sing the hymns like these priests and Levites for the enriching of our meeting, strengthening, enlivening, refreshing, and uplifting. Two, could you read? In order to select hymns, we must first know the purpose of it. I'm going to just read this because you should get into it. I'm here just to underscore the matter to impress you. The first thing is you have to know the purpose of the hymns. All right, now let's find out. The hymns that the brothers and sisters typically select 
show that we do not know the purpose of selecting hymns, and we do not know that a, that a hymn is a poem, and a poem is for the expression of feelings. A poem is different than an essay. Whereas an essay may be written according to a train of thought, a poem requires inspiration. To be inspired is to be aroused with feeling. A poem, hymn, is the expression of our feeling. When we come together to choose hymns, we must hold firmly to this secret. Now tonight, I must impress upon you, saints, that we are not robots. We cannot live a robotic Christian life. We cannot sit in meetings as machines. We are flesh and blood. We are human. We have feelings. We're made with feelings. We're, fa we're made with a soul. We're made with an emotion. And those are made for the Lord. Not really for just you to express your feeling, but for the divine one to express himself, his feeling, through yours. But in our worship, often we don't care for the feelings. But you have to realize hymns poem, are poems, and poems are sentimental by nature and inspirational by nature. And so you have to learn to sing with feeling. And I don't mean the soulish, orchestrated, you know what I mean? with a band here, with a soloist. You know, I don't, I'm not talking about that kind of soulish thing. But I am talking about our whole heart, our whole, all of our feelings to be deeply involved when we sing a hymn. Otherwise, it will come out very dry, very dead, very unfeeling and not inspiring at all. Then we just sing it. Sing along, sing along, sing along. I often like to challenge the saints I wish, wish to see. Limit your Lord's table to one song and see how you do it. That means you have to sing and sing and sing and milk that song. Do you follow me? Yes. We rush through so many songs of much riches, and we just sing it, we just, just glide by, glide by. It's the Chinese saying, we try to smell the flowers on a galloping horse, it doesn't work. You have to get off your horse and slowly stroll from flower to flower and put your nose into it and take a deep breath and that's how you enjoy the fragrance. We're taking it too fast. Sing along. Just move on to the next song. Just stay with one hymn for 30 minutes and dig into it. And enjoy it and use it for your praise, for your offerings to the Lord. 
and sing it with much feeling. I would even say sing it with the anointing. The anointing simply is the feeling of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit within our spirit. So we may call a hymn. There's nothing to do with the feeling of the congregation or the atmosphere of the meeting. We just call a hymn. And so a lot of hymns are just kind of my top hymn this week, so I'm going to call it. You don't care about whether that's the right song. You don't care whether that is the feeling of the spirit. You just call it because you like it. You don't do that. The first thing when you come to the meeting, especially at the Lord's table, is to sense the Spirit's flow. Is to sense the anointing. In the beginning, we may not be so clear. After a few prayers, some feeling begin to emerge within your spirit. And by that, you may call him. You may not. You may offer some more praise. We have gotten into a formality. Call a hymn. A few. Declare a few lines. Call a hymn. A few declare a few, few lines. Call a hymn. And that comprises our worship. Three. Roman three. Can you read? We need to learn the principle of selecting. So we're here learning. Dear saints, it's okay. Let's learn how to even choose hymns. The principle of choosing hymns is that we should choose a hymn according to the feeling we sense in the meeting. When we touch a certain atmosphere, according to the prevailing feeling in the meeting, we should select a hymn from the hymnal that expresses that feeling best. Now, automatically what that means is that you need to know the hymns. Because if you don't even know them, you won't have it at your fingertips. You won't have it at your disposal. And by the time you find that hymn, the spirit has already moved on. You miss that opportunity to strengthen the meaning by that hymn. We'll see more of this. When we touch a certain atmosphere, according to the prevailing meaning in the meeting, uh, uh, feeling in the meeting, Okay, we covered that. See, when we choose a hymn in this way, the feeling will be expressed and will flow out through the singing of the congregation. You just know it. When the right hymn is called, the saints' spirit echo. Deep calls unto deep. There's an echo within the saints to sing that hymn, right? Because it conveys the same feeling in all of us. Do you have the experience that you are touched to utter a prayer, some, something, but you didn't, and immediately a sister prayed exactly the same, that prayer. I have, that happened to me many times, and it is, it is almost spooky. But eventually, after so much experience, I realized this matter of one spirit in a meeting, this idea of the team playing one ball, is real. Yeah. 
This is not some imagination. This happened too often. And many saints told me the same thing. The Spirit is looking for members, looking for vessels to express Him. So we all have to be ready at a moment's notice when the Spirit touches two persons may express, then one should be quiet so the other can express it. That's another learning in playing ball. But the point is, we all need to sense where that one ball is. And we need to learn to pass the ball, so to speak, to pass the spirit. It's real. See, our meetings are very special times. When we gather, the spirit would move in its operation in the different members to express something uh, uh, for the strengthening um, and enriching of that, of that gathering. Okay, last, leading the meetings is not the responsibility of the elders and deacons only. It is the responsibility of all the saints. Hence, we have an obligation to learn to select hymns. Now, let's come to learn how to select hymns. Four, please read. In selecting hymns, we must be clear concerning the different categories of hymns. We must also know their contents, focus, sensation. Now, don't, don't rush over this. These are particular words here, okay? You, we firstly need to know the categories of hymns. And I think in your handout tonight, I selected 100 hymns. Just, just for this conference, okay? 100 hymns. 70 of those are under the praise of the Lord, the remembrance of the Lord. 30 are under the worship of the Father. Now, I'm not going to say these are all the right hymns. It's just my selection, okay? My selection. But pretty much the hymns that we love are all there. The great hymns are there. But don't just put that sheet away, you need to study the categories. Find out which hymn is under what category. This hymn is under the category of praise of the Lord, so you don't sing that at the worship of the Father. And this hymn, under the praise of the Lord, is on his love, his love. So you don't sing it when the Spirit leads us to praise him concerning his blood. That's the wrong hymn to call. Do you follow me? And so you need to be versed. You need to study our hymnal. So I like to promote all the saints in mid-Atlantic, young and old, to take time to not only read the Bible, but to study our hymnal. And I can tell you, I can guarantee, our hymnal is one of the best hymnal there is. It is called from tens of thousands of songs with many newly written songs of great weight and content. The best. And you just learn. If you learn even just the categories of these hymns, you actually even can learn a lot of truth in the Bible. 
All right. So I just say this. We also need to know each hymn's contents. Now, there are two hymns on love, but the two hymns are different. They're both on the love of the Lord, right? But in this atmosphere, hymn A, hymn A is not the right. Hymn B is the right one. You say, really? Really. So, it takes a fine discernment. It takes care. It takes sensitivity, even in the choice of hymns, so that the meeting can be brought upwards. No wonder our, many of our meetings are impoverished or poor. Even in these things, we are not learned people. We are not learned people. But we can change that. We have to change that. You need to know the focus. Every hymn has a different focus. I, also, I may even just give you an assignment tonight to give you two hymns. And tomorrow morning, tonight you're going to think about it. Tomorrow I'm going to call people by seats because I don't know your name. And say, sister, please stand up and tell us the focus of hymn number one. Written down. One in one sentence. Now that will force you tonight not to go to bed. <laughs> and really sing and read that hymn until you find the focus of it. Now, I can also tell you, after this exercise, this hymn is becoming yours. You won't forget it. And next time, you will know when to call this hymn because this hymn is yours. Now, we don't need to know thousands of hymns, but at least we should know dozens of hymns, all of us. So any one of us would be educated in this matter and all of us can contribute to the uplifting of our gatherings. Sensation. Each hymn not only have a different content, but the sensation is different. You know that song? What is that one? I mentioned it before. Uh, I cannot breathe enough of thee. You know that one? Now, don't you agree with me when you sing that song? There is a particular sensation. That is not in all the other songs under the same category, right? I think you know what, what I mean by that. Every song has a soul. That soul is the sensation of that song. It's written with that sensation, and you have to touch it. The taste, even, the taste is different. And, of course, the tune. You need to know the tune. All right. First, we must know the hymn categories. Some hymns are for praising, some for prayer, some for spiritual warfare, some for edification, some for gospel preaching, some for touching the Spirit, some for remembering the Lord, and some for worshiping the Father. Now, let me do some critique. Do you mind? 
You know, that's the best way to learn, is someone to tell you you're wrong, right? <laughs> Otherwise, you'll never learn. Okay, tonight we sat down, and I deliberately didn't call any hymn. I didn't call a hymn, right? So I just want to see what happens. Well, you start singing. Uh, we're learning to turn to our spirit, right? We're, what is it? Hallelujah for life in the spirit. Okay, sing, 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 sing. Okay, then after that, uh, someone started the song about what I don't even know, some old, old song about. What is born of spirit is just the spirit. Praise God. Yeah, right, right. Someone sang that, an old supplement song among us. And both hymns, uh, both songs are, are good songs. I, I sang them thousand times, right? But in terms of tonight, for this meeting, for this meeting, I must tell you, I was disappointed. Not that the songs are bad. It's not the point. The point is their selection are bad. I had expected after two meetings there should be some feeling within the saints and knowing that we are not finished with this matter of remembrance of the Lord and all of that that you would someone would probably call a hymn on the remembrance of the Lord. To what? To lay a base for my speaking and for the saints prayer. But no, we sang some uh, song. And I know why we sang that, because I talk about using the Spirit and exercise the Spirit and praise the Lord. And so you call those songs. But in the context of this conference and with the weight of this conference, I would say those songs are not the best. I wish some saints would call a song on the remembrance of the Lord or the worship of the Father to follow this morning, and then we sing it together. That will lay the groundwork for my speaking. So even this is not the Lord's table, this is just some kind of conference meeting, you still need to sense the atmosphere. You need to be very aware of the atmosphere, and then you would know the right song to call. Sorry, brothers, I'm a bad man because I criticize people. All right. Well, if a critique is a bad person, Witness Lee is the worst man. <laughs> you don't know how much he criticized me and criticized whatever. You know, in the old days, in our life study training, you know, uh, people will come up to give uh, uh, tests. Some people will come. Before uh, he opens the mouth, go back. <laughs> Sit down, go back. I don't even know why he has to go back. Oh, if I am him, I will be offended. I won't even go back. I will go out. <laughs> Tear my tag 
and ask for a refund from LSM, right? <laughs> Ooh. Many, some of you may remember the old timers, uh, but he didn't do it like because he was having a time, good time offending people. He was being straight and he was trying to help all of us in certain things. You, you want to hear more stories? Okay. How long, O oh Lord? Huh? In the FTTA, the early, early days of FTTA, we have about 30 trainees. Today we have over 300, you know, whatever, the small number. And brothers and sisters there. So there was a sister who stood up and gave a prophecy or whatever in the meeting. He was there. It's a meeting in those days because few people, he just sits there. We sit next to him, and the trainees are just one or two rows or something like that. And this sister speak. He said, sister, sit down. Don't speak anymore. Not just in this meeting. For the rest of this whole term, shut up. Now, if you are that sister, what will you do? Resign from the training, right? <laughs> there was a reason. There was a reason. Either in the way she spoke, or with the length she spoke, and in so many times she spoke, whatever it may be. Now, of course, Brother Lee was not um, what do you call it? Um, uh, just terse, you know what I mean? Just, just cutting, not like that. But very definite. Sisters, sister, sit down. Don't speak anymore. Something like that. My way of responding to this when it comes to me, is what? Is amen. This, the brother knows something that I don't. And he sees something that I don't. And I trust him. And I want to say amen and learn from him. And not be stumbled or offended. <laughs> Ooh, I think right now some of you are. Are you going to do that to us? Right? No, don't worry, I'm not Brother Lee. I don't have his position. I don't have his weight. I won't do that. But I'm here telling you, dear saints, uh, the need, what? To improve, the need to be trained, the need to learn. And you will see visible improvement even with yourself. And how wonderful it is in a particular local church Six months from now, I visited again. Oh, the, that, the, 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 the Lord's table is another level. And I will say that is no miracle. These saints are practicing. They are learning. They're improving. And they are becoming quite a team to play that ball.
I love to see this. So, saints, let's all continue to learn. Okay. Uh, and I give you that 100 list to, to help you. Okay, B, then we need to read and even to study the contents of the hymns. So you need to spend time. It's good, saints. We don't spend time to do, 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 do. Spend time to learn another hymn. Now I'd like to suggest for many of you who are not familiar with the hymn, I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to help you, learn a new hymn a week. Okay, there's 100 hymns here. I have another list of 50 taken from the 100. So 50 is about one a week for one year. So you just take a whole week to learn one hymn. At the end of that week, you can write down the focus. You know the sensation. You know the content. You know the category. Next week, you move on to another hymn. By the way, if you do this, your life will be filled with singing because you're learning that hymn. That kills a lot of birds with one stone. Wouldn't you like to do that? Huh? See, we also need to find out the central thought, the focus of each hymn. I mentioned already, the focus means the central thought. D, finally, we need to know the hymns in their sensation and taste. Each hymn has its own sensation, so it has its own taste. We should care for the standard of the hymns. We can know the standard by sensing the hymns. The sensation of a hymn is based upon the thought in the hymn and also refers to its taste. Two examples of the standard, okay? Here's a couple of examples. I as follows. Hymn 19. What is hymn 19? It is not so full of revelation. That means the standard is a little bit low. What is hymn 19? It's worship of the Father, I believe. Huh? Great is thy faithfulness. We all love that song, right? Great is thy faithfulness. You would, oh, we love that song. That song is low standard. You would not know. Because you're not, you don't know the hymns. You don't know the standard. It's a good hymn, but low in revelation. Not so full, I should say. Number 18 is full of revelation. What is that? How steadfast is your faithfulness? You, you compare. You compare, okay? Hymn 70 is low in life, truth, experience, and revelation. What is 70? Hmm? Music to my ears, the sweetest name. Oh, how I love Jesus. Uh, 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 That song is a good song, but it is low in life, truth, experience, and revelation. 154 is a higher standard. What is 154? Also on love. What? It passeth knowledge, this grip of thine. But there is a top hymn, and I fully agree, on the matter of love is 152. Oh, how deep, 
how far-reaching. And now we have a new tune to that. But regardless of the tune, dear saints, this, you must, you must believe in me, is, if not the top, one of the tops, top hymns on the love of God. Because it touches, it's not just love, but it touches why his love and the result of his love. And that love is so that man and God can be joined. You know, most Christians talk about love, but they fail to see that love is a way to union and incorporation of God and man. That is my favorite, one of my top favorite hymns. Okay, so these are just some examples on standards. E, when you know the hymns in these four aspects, in their categories, contents, uh, focus, and sensation and taste, you then know the hymns thoroughly. In addition, we should know the tunes of the hymns. Many good hymns can be killed by a poor melody. Yeah? You, you, you know that. You need the fitting melody to express the feeling of the hymns. Okay, five, let's be quick. In order to remember the Lord in the Lord's table meeting, we need to see... First, we need to see the person of the Lord to see who he is. We must see the two aspects of his person. He is God, yet man. He is the creator, yet a creature. Those hymns are there, you see. Second, we need to see the Lord's living on earth. This includes his humbling himself, his humiliation, and his human virtues. Those hymns are there as an example. Third, we need to remember the Lord's suffering and death. This is to remember the Lord's work in redemption. The hymns are there. And fourth, we need to remember the Lord's exaltation, including his ascension and glorification. Again, the hymns are there. Uh, again, you, you, you do this. Now, what time is it? I don't want to go any further. 9.07. Oh, good. I better stop here. But I want to uh, leave you with a story. Uh, don't worry about the rest. We'll, we'll cover it somehow. I want to leave you with a story. And so you still have 20 minutes to uh, overflow and, and testify. Uh, it, it's a story of, and I, if I've spoken this story before, you forgive me. Some brothers might have heard this. I don't know. It's a story about a brother that you all know, and that is... Um, our brother Bob. Yeah? Do you know? Huh? Do, do they all know? I thought you were in the mid-Atlantic. Bob Little. One of his sons is here. Where, where's... Uh, Oh, there you are. Okay, all right. I hope you'll forgive me. Uh, say something about your dad. So, Bob's wife, Mary, died. Um, how long ago? What? September 2000, a year and a half ago. 
So, uh, of course, it was a great, I have to imagine, a great, lo great, great loss to our brother. So, um, uh, not that long ago, we ran into each other in a, uh, in a feast. And so, we had a meal together, just he and I. We talk about different things, catch up. And then he just couldn't stop but telling me his experience. He said, after his wife died, there's so much grief, so much uh, sense of a loss. Um, it was so hard for him. <clears throat> and then uh, one day he said, he began to sing. And so, from our hymnal. So he would just open to some song, this and that. And he would just, I don't remember exactly, but he would spend his whole time with the Lord just singing. I suppose there are times, brothers and sisters, we don't even have the strength to pray. You know what I mean? There's so much hurt, there's so much grief that you couldn't even muster the kind of prayer. So he sang, he sang, and a song a day he would sing. Then there came a point that he said it was helping him so much, he would say, rather than choosing hymns here and there, he would start with hymn number one and just go every day sing the second hymn, the third hymn, and the fourth hymn. I don't know how many he sang, but for a long time. Then he said, as he was singing like this, and I don't know how long after Mary passed on, but he said, one day, the burden was lifted. The burden was gone. Just like that. Just like that. And when I heard him talk this way, of course, I was very, very moved uh, by his experience. And that inspired me again about the power of songs, the power of singing. Um, I myself also have the experience, not in this way, but in times of trouble, in moments of difficulty, even in certain occasions of a depress depressive uh, situation. And, and you know what I mean. That, that you could not break through, you can pray through, you can even praise through, a song would come. A song would come. A stanza of a hymn would come. And sometimes it's not like that song exactly matched my situation, but it's just a hymn, a song. And all I could do was just to sing it again and again and again. 
just sing it. And as, as I sing that song, I begin to come out of something. I begin to have a sense of being healed. Are you following me? I have a sense of some strength returning me, returning to me, or some hope coming back to me, just from singing, just from singing. That perhaps at that time, that even just reading the Bible wouldn't do the job, but singing does. You know, I just give this little story, and uh, don't tell your dad about this, okay? Uh, Thank you. Um, uh, I don't want to expose him here. But I, I feel we all need to, in this dimension of our Christian life, I feel we have some ways to go. And this is not hard. This is easy that we can do. We need to build up a habit of singing the word. Yeah? Singing the hymns. You know, you know what happens when you sing? You get out of yourself. You get transported, as it were, out of your own feeling and world and whatever that besets you. It transports you into the Lord, into the Spirit, into God. Truly. And especially with some well-written hymns, with some uh, inspiring verses. They, they, they do that. I mean, even in the world, am I right? Songs have that kind of a power. But for us, we're not just singing some you know, romantic, worldly, whatever. We're singing hymns that are speaking of spiritual realities. Songs that convey to us Christ. Songs that ministers the spirit to, and life to us. And all the things that we need in the spirit. And why don't we sing? Why don't we sing? Uh, I hope that, brothers and sisters, we will take this to the Lord. And start with knowing the hymns and all of this. Especially for the sake of the Lord's table. Don't worry, just take Brother Bob's way. He is one hymn a day. That's, that's a little bit much. But one hymn a week. And I'll see you in 52 weeks. <laughs> in this conference next year. Or something like that. And how about by then, let's have a singing challenge. Not the voice or whatever those things are, right? But, brother, how much have you learned? Okay? Let's check how many of these songs we have learned. This is not just so that, oh, we can boast, I know this song, I know that song. Brothers and sisters, this is for worship. This is to uplift, strengthen, and enrich our worship to God. All right, I'll just stop here, and I think it's a good time for the rest of the time some, for you to give many testimonies. Okay, let's keep it to what? One minute max. Come up, please. Not come to that time 
on time. On time. Now you just think about it. This is not a meeting. This is the Lord's remembrance. Now think that way. There's no reason why even mothers with three kids and father who works, busy people, if you have this in mind, you cannot prepare yourself to be absolutely there, not just on time and even be early. What this means is that the Lord's table will not drag. A lot of our tables, by 10.15, still only half of the people are there. We couldn't even reach the peak, uh, so to speak. We have to wait, and it's a drag. Do you see that even our whole attitude about this occasion affects our experience of that remembrance? So uh, I hope that we would have a change, even in things like this. I mean, the Lord is there waiting for us. Amen. And how can we be late? So let us come early. Not just tomorrow morning. Yes, tomorrow morning. But not just tomorrow morning. Every week, we just all build up a habit to meet the Lord early. Okay? Like Mary Magdalene. Okay. And by 10 o'clock, we would be well on our way in that worship. By 10.15, we hit the peak. And we will have much time left to worship the Father with. Now, these are small things, but it affects our time so much, so much. All right? Let's love the Lord in practicality. Amen.